Hello and welcome to another round with Plato, the podcast that gives you an insight into fermentation. Today's episode is all about building a brewery, and we have gotten some true experts on this as we are joined today with the master brewer and founder of Well Brewed, Anthony Clem, as well as commercial director Lackey Crutters. These two have been within the industry for more than 30 years combined building breweries in Australia and going to share their best tips, advice and learnings throughout this journey. So um, make sure you hit that subscribe button for the second season of Another Round with Plato as we dive right into the interview with the Australians. All right, then I want to welcome to the podcast Well Brewed Equipment out of Australia, Anthony Clem and Lucky Craden, Craters. Sorry, <laughs> welcome <laughs> to the podcast. Thanks, John. Uh, Crothers, it is. Crothers. Yeah, like yeah. brothers. Yeah. Yeah, I, I even asked you before we get started on this one, so I'm, I'm really sorry for butchering it. But but it's uh, this is the this is the international podcast, right? So it's early in the morning for you, but you have had the whole day for you. I haven't even got my first cup of coffee, so I'm I'm going 100% to blame it on that. <laughs> <laughs> no pro- no okay. problems, mate. You're forgiven. <laughs> And 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 this uh, this pod, uh, podcast format, I, I guess uh, that's something that's uh, quite familiar to you guys, uh, as you you run your own uh, your own podcast, the Well Brewed Podcast. Um, before we get into like the whole uh, universe of uh, of Well Brewed, uh, what is uh, what is one of the things that you enjoy with with this kind of podcast format, um, uh, Anthony? Well, um, we, I quite like the the informational side of it. I mean. Well, one, I think it's great to uh, get the team together and just have a chat about you know, some of the things we really are passionate about because we're all very passionate about brewing in the industry. The podcast is a bit of an avenue for us to just, you know, voice our voice our opinions and thoughts to some extent. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think we get along reasonably well, so that that's quite nice and quite fun to you know, to do, but also, you know, we're trying to build a bit of an understanding of what it takes to put a brewery in and just sharing some of our knowledge uh, on an experience over the, over the many years that we've been involved in the industry. That's, that's quite fun as well, just to, you know, pass that information on, give people a bit of an idea of, you know, some of the experiences we've had and some of the the ideas that we think are, are more relevant to uh, the beer, the brewing industry or, or putting a brewery together uh, in mm. particular because that's been our last series has been how to build a microbrewery. So mm. just offering our experience and insights as to the, the pros and cons of doing those types of things has been good. And like you've asked me, but Lockie's actually the lead of the podcast he's the he's the man who brings us all together and we we just do what we're told essentially (laughs) well it's good i I guess that's the role of the of the commercial manager i I guess uh, lucky (laughs) that's right i find my role in the business is sort of uh to take the two extremes and find the middle ground and um maybe like uh mediate the uh the the fights between the between the group somewhat but um (laughs) No, it's not that bad. But um, no, seriously, the podcast, I guess, is really about, you know, like sharing knowledge 
we wanted to mm. give something back. We we thought, you know, if we can create a free resource for people who are out there wanting to build a brewery, it's something that, you know, 10, 15 years ago when I got in, into the industry and started being interested in, you know, I wish there was something like that when I wanted to, mm. to build a brewery. So, you know, it's a very sharing and a giving industry craft beer and we, we figure that why not just give it back? Why not, you know, um, help people who are going to hopefully be able to make better beer in the future and then uh, have a more successful business so that us as consumers can selfishly go and drink better beer more regularly, right? Like that's really yeah. why we do all this. So It, it sounds very relatable. <laughs> we, but uh, <laughs> by the end of the day, we just want some better beer. That's the way it is. Yeah, that's, that's it. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe maybe like you can 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 give a little bit of an, an um, uh, description for us in terms of well brewed. So uh, consultant services you deliver equipment, uh, you help out with design, strategy, and development, uh, mm. optimization of of a brewery. Um, so what's your sort of elevated pitch of of what well brewed equipment is? Sure. So I guess we started our life as a as a consulting business. Um, Clemmy started that business a bit over two, maybe two and a half years ago um, until Jake and I came along and we're doing a bit of contract work for him. Um, and we basically found that we we got to a point where we were consulting mostly on brewery design, equipment and startups. And so we found that we were having more impact in actually helping people make, uh, design and, and acquire better equipment. So we basically found that we could do this and that, you know, Jake's an engineer, Clemmy's a master brewer, I'm a craft beer hack, but I know how to say all the right things. And we got to a point where we, we felt we could actually help people more by starting a range of, of Australian designed breweries where we could mm. um, get people off on the right foot from, from day one and give them the right equipment so they can be more successful moving forward. So that was sort of the start of 2022. We started talking about this idea. We um, went through, you know, six months of, of design phase with our equipment and back and forth finding suppliers and, and OEMs that we could work with across the world. And then it was sort of around the end of June 2022 where we sold our first brewery and then it's sort of been onwards and upwards from there. But um, for us, it's really about providing um, really high quality equipment. And then we pair some of those consulting services in with uh, the equipment supply and we, we uh, complement that so that um, I, the, the idea is you can have a more successful project because you can leverage our consulting services, which we offer either for free or at a discount when you're purchasing, purchasing equipment um, so that your brewery can be uh, up and running sooner and, and have, you know, ideally cost more money overall for the project. Um, I realized that wasn't an elevator pitch or it was a long elevator ride <laughs> all in the glass yeah. elevator of Willy Wonka maybe, but um, yeah. <laughs> that's my story. Yeah, we, we, we got there in the end. That's the most important thing, <laughs> I, I think. And, and I, I, find this, I find this a little bit uh, important because um, uh, consulting services uh, in, in other industries um, – that might not be a, a synonym of something positive or someone mm. who is actually bringing value for money. But, uh, but knowing you, uh, the, all of you have uh, one uh, or some sort of uh, brewers um, 
uh, first-hand experience either as brewers or lead brewers. Uh, and you, Anthony, is is uh, a chemist uh, in your, your background, from my understanding. Uh, what are some of the, the things that you, you look for when uh, starting a, 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 a new project, building a, a new brewery? Yeah, so... I guess just to give you a little bit more clarity on my experience, so I did a, I did some chemistry, and then ended up working in the industry in the late nineties. Uh, so worked for like larger scale breweries, um, and then right through to smaller scale at the end of my career after doing a lot more study in uh, through the IBD in the UK. But I guess I was involved in a lot of projects, and. One of the key things that we saw that if you if you wanted a successful project, you need to do a lot of planning, a lot of thought and planning needs to go into the project in order to be one cost effective and two successful and meet your your project goals as well. Mm-hmm. So, if we wanted to talk about the key things about building a brewery, we, we would look about we would look at finding the right site, planning your project. You know, the more planning you can do at the beginning, the better the outcome. And then sizing your utilities for, you know, for what you're trying to achieve. And then also putting the right equipment mix together to meet your commercial business goals uh, and, and also the kinds of beers you're trying to brew. So there's not a brewery that is a one size fits all. Like you could, you know, we could, go, here's a one-size-fits-all brewery. We just sell that to everyone. It really isn't the case. Like you've got people that are trying to do very different things in, their, in just about every circumstance. So we look at what they're trying to achieve from a beer styles perspective, a volume, aspirations, and also how they're looking to, to sell their beer. Like are they looking to sell it across a bar or are they – they want to be nationally distributed and they want to have packaging and kegging and all of those things. So when we're looking at supporting someone with a new brewing project, then those are the types of things we consider. Can I just um, jump in as well? Like talking about planning for breweries, you know, like in our experience, most people when they start in the initial start of their planning phase, it's often that they are way under for timelines and way under for, for cost um, of their budget because there's so many things that need to be considered and a lot of it is takes a lot of time and research to understand those things. So, I mean, there's a age-old saying that, you know, when building breweries, people say, you know, get your budget and your timeline and double it for both of yep. them. And I've asked a few people because it sounds ludicrous, right, like actually double your budget, double your timeline. And there's so many people I talk to and I actually love – um, just talking to uh, brewery startups and, and asking them this question is like, is this true? Do you, you know, from when you first started planning until what the end result was and when you got open, was did it take twice as long and did it cost twice as much? And most of them say yes in some description, you know, <laughs> around that. So it's really important that you get your planning right because you can, your budget can blow out. And we've seen so many times that as you your, your timeline as well runs like the cost to not be open, the opportunity cost of that lost margin or that lost revenue on top compounded with your rent and your wages and all these things, it really adds up really quickly. And so, mm. um, you know, like I think 
the more time you can spend at the front end um, is, gives you a better chance of being successful in the long term. Yeah. A, a little bit of a side question. Have you ever talked to anyone that has uh, had their brewery up and running before time and cheaper than they expected? <laughs> Not me. No, <laughs> never. No. I don't think so. <laughs> It's it's I, not I think, it's just not yeah. I think some people some people that are experienced hit their budget. They do like mm. I have seen it like their budget and they they do hit it. But mm. um, yeah, I think timelines, particularly they're quite complex projects. You have so many moving parts and so many different inputs and and people working together that it's very hard to um yep. to to unless you work with Wellbrood, of course, right? So. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> then you then you're right on the money every time. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, that 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 is also something that um, I think uh, is interesting to talk to you about because you have chosen a route where you don't go for the most uh, for the cheapest equipment, but you're looking a little bit more high tech in terms of of craft, a little bit more um, expensive equipment for the long for the long run, basically. Um, can either either of you just give me a little bit of an insight on of what is some of the benefits with going a little bit more high tech than than quote unquote normal uh, when when building a brewery? Yeah, I can I can talk a little bit about this. Lucky can probably back me up, but I'll just jump in and and interrupt if you like whenever. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. And I forget stuff. Yeah. So my background in the industry has been really quality focused. So. I've seen the value just through experience of having quality equipment. So equipment that is more reliable, yeah, is not going to break down. You're not going to have issues or it's not going to underperform. It's sized right. It's well thought out. All, all of those things are important when you're, you know, you're running a business where you can't just stop it and decide you want to, fix everything unless you've very well planned it like generally if you're in a if you're in a business you need to keep keep that you know there's a certain demand generally and you need to keep supplying that demand if you have too many shutdowns or too many breakdowns and that's going to cause an impact on your overall revenue and your overall sales so from my perspective it makes sense it's a capital intensive project to begin with we're not double, well, it depends on some of the equipment that is out there. There is some very, very cheap equipment that's out there. But I, I don't think generally we're double the price. We're, we're a bit more expensive, but we're offering a lot more reliable equipment, a lot more hygienic designs and a lot more well thought out, you know, well thought out projects where we're thinking about the future and planning. So we might, instead of having to, instead of going and buying a whole setup that's going to do, uh, it's going to look after you for the longer run, we're actually thinking about how do we phase in your capital spend so that you can get going and with minimal capital input afterwards, you can meet your growth targets. Mm. So all of those things create uh, reliability of supply ease of operation, ease of cleaning. So we really take a focus on hygiene with all of our designs in vessel and in brew house. And then we're, we're, we're trying to put breweries together that 
are efficient and easy and nice and operable to use so that you get consistent beer production. So you've got reliable equipment, you've got easy to use equipment. So the brewer enjoys working in the brew house and, and it makes it easier for you to brew that beer consistently. So we all know how difficult lagers are to brew, like recipes for lagers are very simple generally, but if you want to brew one consistently, it's all about the process. Mm. So if you can make it easier for the operator, the brewer to do that, then you know, that's where that's where we enjoy it. And I mean, we, we want brewers, because we're all brewers ourselves, um, to be able to enjoy working on great equipment as well. Like yeah. It does what it's supposed to do. It heats up in the heating rates of the right rates and everything's just designed to work how it should be and optimise the process. So mm. that's, that's kind of our focus. And obviously that costs a bit more, but in the long run, we think it pays off. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, I had a couple of points to add if, if that's all right. I think like um, often with startup craft breweries, brew pubs, it's normally one, you know, one person wearing a lot of hats. The owner often is the head brewer, the bar manager, the CFO, the HR manager, you know, the works, the cleaner and everything. So I think investment in equipment that, you know, has less labor input, is easier to clean, more hygienic, you know, definitely pays off um, for the lifestyle that people are trying to create. Because let's be honest, most people that start a brewery aren't doing it because they, you know, going to make a million bucks. They do it because they want to create a lifestyle and making beer is fun and sharing it with your friends and your family and being around breweries and tap rooms is really exciting, fun thing to do. You know, it's why I've been a brewer for as long as I have is because I love drinking beer and I love the social aspect of it. So um, that's a really, really big point. And, and people overlook that because it's just, you see the number and you think, oh, well, I can get started for cheaper, but you end up working 14, 15 hour days and yep. never seeing your family and not getting to enjoy it for the reasons you wanted to do it anyway. Um, the other thing, like, you know, an example of tech that we use, you know, we, our partnership with Plato, um, you know, and we spec all of our fermenters with the Plato Pro instruments um, because we recognize that our customers are often a one-man band where there's one brewer um, who's operating that kit and they don't necessarily want to be in there seven days a week. You know, the advantage for them is they can sit on the couch and check gravity, know whether they need to go in and do a dry hop or a VDK rise, make sure, you know, they get alerts if, um, you know, something's out of spec for temperature, et cetera, and they can address it without ruining a batch of beer, without having to be in there every day. So um, for us, it's really important to um, use these tools that we have available to us through our partnerships to be able to help our clients build the lifestyle that they want from actually owning a brewery rather than doing it on the cheap and ending up in a situation where your lifestyle is worse than it was before you started and you're working in corporate world. So hmm. that's really, really a motivation for us and why we invest so much time in innovation and, and design, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. I, th I think, um, from what you're describing, we're, we're in a, uh, uh, we're in a time in the craft beer world where before you had no problem re-equipping old dairy equipment and, uh, breaking your back, digging mash out of a, uh, yeah. uh not very, not very ergonomically sound uh, system to actually having the choice to, 
to mm. do it in a smarter, more uh, more efficient way, not only for the final product, but also for for um, for the breweries, I, I, I think, and for the people employed. Uh, how do you how do you start? Where do you start in the, in in a in a project generally? Do you start with the, with uh, the building and trying to see how you can best um, develop that building into a brewery, or do you start with uh, an uh, idea and then trying to find a building and then the brewery? How how do you usually uh, do the business, or is it just uh, whatever day it is? There is a new project and a new way to do it. <laughs> I think, like in an ideal world. For us, we like to be involved with the projects from inception um, because I think we have a little bit of value to add around even the business planning and modeling. We have a little bit of, um, you know, advice we can give around like uh, like we do offer, you know, business modeling and stuff as, as services because we've done it. We've been there. Like we've run, you know, national distribution style wholesale breweries. We've run brew pubs. We've done it before. We know what works and, and and have a reasonable idea of how to make the numbers work. So getting in earlier, the better we find is is good for mm. the project overall. Um, we, but we work with all sorts. You know, we have people who are ready to just install a brewery as far as people and back as far as people who just have the idea they want to start a brewery, but they're not sure how. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, we're talking about, you know, choosing a building, choosing a site, I think is one of the most crucial things that can either not make or break, but really set you on the path to success or to, um, a place where it's going to be a lot harder for you because there's so many elements within selecting that site that impact not just your project uh, up until, you know, from planning up until opening the doors, but then ongoing day to day that we really need to, um, there's some sites that look amazing and, and have a great feel, but the zoning's wrong and you can't fit enough people there to actually make money when you need to. And then all of a sudden it's, it's just not a great proposition, even being, you know, I've, um, you know, run bars that are in a really good suburb on paper across the road from, you know, apartment buildings where there's 5,000 people residing, for example, and on paper it works. But when you look at, you know, seating numbers, which is not something you always think heaps about, you can't actually make enough money on a Saturday when people want to come to make up for the quiet lunchtime when you have to pay a full-time chef to be in the kitchen, you know. Like there's all these things that need to be considered that actually um, often people get caught up on and it's when you get emotional about a site or, or a decision like that is when, when you end up uh, making bad decisions in my experience. Yeah. <laughs> just, just to add to your, to that, lucky and answer your question a little bit more. I think yawn is if we can work with you from before you've even got your site, that's the best outcome I think mm. that you'll ever, you'll ever get because the consulting business was built on, those types of uh, those that type of advice. We used to do financial modeling, you know, design workshops to help people understand what the best equipment was for them. But the financial modeling, and we would come back to asking them questions about what are you trying to achieve, what lifestyle do you want from this from this business? 
are you going to be running this thing 24 7 or are you going to be standoff and you've got a you've got a venue manager and a head brewer and a general manager and they're all running the show how you know what model do you want to achieve are you do you just want to have a little brew pub or do you want national distribution so understanding all of those things and what lifestyle and commercial goals that people want when they when they're starting a brewery that is important to understand right at the start uh, because that will make a bit you know finding the right site will make a big difference for someone who just wants a brew pub uh, versus someone who wants a production brewery who can you know so we can put that out in a in a low density population and in an industrial site and it can just brew beer and you can have all the facilities for the right and the right rent for the right price. But, you know, all, there's so many variables when you're trying to put a business like this together. The earlier we can start and the better understanding we've got of what your commercial goals are uh, and your lifestyle, then that gets you the best outcome is what we find. Hmm. I think you're you're touching on something I haven't really thought about uh, uh, actively, but in terms of what kind of lifestyle do you want? Because uh, yeah, uh, um, I, I am I'm not brewing actively, but I can see how brewing can be a hundred uh, percent of someone's personality, and that mm. might not be for everyone, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and the realities yeah. of it are quite different, you know, like the realities mm. of actually running and operating a, a brewery and a business is very different to what it, it appears on the outside. So you really need to, yeah, be, know what you're in for. Yeah. I think most, most people from the outside looking in think it's just, oh, you run a brewery, that's amazing. So it's just, you just drink beer all day. That's incredible. <laughs> but it can be all-consuming. And if you were just brewing beer day in, day out, then that's probably not a bad lifestyle. But if you're brewing beer and managing the whole business and the venue and behind the bar and all of those things, then it can be really, really taxing. And like we've seen a number of, um, you know, we've seen a number of people in the industry, it becomes all consuming for them and they, they don't last. They, they burn out in the end and um, they go and do something different, which is, you know, which is sad because they had this massive passion for it in the beginning. Mm. And then it gets to a point where, the lifestyle becomes too much for them. Yeah, and I, I think the uh, the quote-unquote introduction to uh, smaller-sized equipment that was previously not uh, available, uh, innovations uh, that make uh, life easier for, for breweries, I think that's really changed at least how I perceive craft beer as an industry, and I think mm. it has changed the life of a lot of, uh, of people within this industry as well. Um, brewing in itself is quite a crude, very rustic process, of course, with the heat and everything. And what I find, uh, at least personally, the ones that I I tend to enjoy um, in, in terms of beer even more than, than others, I think is the ones that are doing the process from cool down uh, and out to, um, uh, to serving. So the fermentation, uh, the packaging and everything. Uh, because... Let's be honest, you can find world-class raw materials almost wherever you are in the world, and especially in the Western world where we are situated. Um, I can get some pretty kick-ass uh, New Zealand hops or Australian hops if I want to. Mm. Uh, mm. At the same In the same catalog, I can get world-class malts from the UK. Um, so I find it that fermentation and packaging is really where I see the big 
difference mm. for quality breweries. Uh, have you seen a, a change in this? Uh, and what is your sort of feelings in terms of um, how fermentation is now more of a key towards uh, modern brewing and, and quality? Uh, I couldn't agree more. Uh, like a thousand times, yes. Like I, yeah. <laughs> I spent a lot of my career training assistant brewers and teaching people when they're first coming into the industry and everyone gets really excited about the brew house, you know. It's like that's where the rock stars hang out and they you're making wort and you're listening to heavy metal and it makes you cool, right? But yeah. in yeah. reality, we don't make beer. Yeast does. You know, yeah. we facilitate the environment to allow them to do their work. So beer's made in the fermenter 100% and I challenge anyone to to prove me wrong because uh, and something I always say to young brewers and I'm training them or when I was training them in my previous life was you can make really amazing beer with average wort but you can make the best wort in the world and just totally fuck it up in the cellar because you're lazy and you're not pulling yeast off every day you're not managing your ferments you're not managing yeast health you're not managing your oxygen and that's the process and we're talking, you know, Clemmy was talking about earlier about making amazing lagers and then recipe formulation is quite simple. But when it comes down to your processes and your cellar processes, that's where, that's the difference between good breweries and great breweries. And uh, yeah, I truly believe it. And I think not enough focus still is being paid on that that part. And you can tell the difference between uh, the breweries who are putting the the attention into that side of things um yeah i'm really passionate about it i i yeah i couldn't agree more <laughs> you i'm not i'm not sure what it's like in norway but in australia we're having like this hop revolution where hazy ipas and ipas and everything's about the hops right it's even more it's even more relevant mm. when you've got those types of beers because you're not relying on late hopping in the brew house or the recipes in the brew house so much. You are relying a, a lot on what's happening with dry hopping uh, in the cellar and, and yeast and hop management in the cellar. And the guys that consistently do it well are the guys that are winning medals day in, day out. Because mm-hmm. you, know, you know that their processes are, are absolutely killer in the cellar. They're not making those beers in the brew house it is all cellar management. When you come across a brewer who's doing it well, you really you can really notice that the the hops are being showcased. The finished package is amazing, and us as brewers, we know where that's happening. So it's all yeah. cellar. Yeah, I think that's that's one of the things that uh, I, as uh, at least an educated brewer, <laughs> uh, really enjoy with uh, with the Plato as as well is is the the knowledge of knowing that. Someone who is is using our device uh, has an advantage because he mm-hmm. knows exactly how to utilize um, uh, the fermentation process and the, the hops that he's going to put into his brand new double dry hopped uh, hazy IPA. Um, <laughs> what have you, of of course now I am very biased because <laughs> I work with Plato. Uh, but what have have uh, some of your your um, feedbacks been um, introducing something as um, foreign as uh, yeah. a, a digital uh, fermentation device as, as Play-Doh? Well, I think number one is just having an understanding of what's happening in the fermenter without being on site. So mm. I spoke to a brewer last Friday and 
I said, how's it all going? Their, their, response, their immediate response is, we brewed last weekend. We brewed on Friday and I had no idea what was happening over the weekend. I jumped on the app and I could see it had kicked off. Everything was going well. I knew I didn't have to go in there. I just knew it was all all good. So that visibility, I think, is one of the keys to support brewers. Like they're already in the brewery enough, having a tool that they can utilize to understand what's going on in the fermenter. Like because it's recording so often, you've got these great curves, you know, these great density curves of what's happening in your in your fermenter. The other one is just being able to consistently see you know whether it's tracking how it normally would and when you can do how long you know reduce your diastole rests know when to dry hop reduce your residence time essentially so they're all the the guys go this is amazing like we now know what's going on we've got visibility so often you get a public holiday and a full weekend you've got three days of not knowing and like people just don't come in and Mm. manually test the vessel so there's no clue as to what's going on with it with the vessel and what's happening with the yeast and um or, you know, or you'll do a no visibility you'll do yeah. a vdk rise on the friday early because you don't want to come in on sunday to just to test the beer or you'll dry hop something early because you don't or it'll get done late it'll end up on the tuesday mm. when it should happen on the sunday right like it just it gives you the tool to still have your time as a brewer but allow you to have the insight to know when things need to happen without just robbing you of your time to having to be on site for the sake of just checking you know um Hmm. it's really powerful i think fermentation as you as you said um lucky is uh, something which i have been talking more about but there is still a lot to uh a lot to to improve and um Hmm. I'm, i'm happy to hear that a lot of uh of the brewers in australia have the same feeling of the Play-Doh as we want them to have us as well. Uh, and we had with us uh, Matt Ahrens, who is the head brewer at the Amundsen Brewery here in, in Norway as well. And he said he said a little bit of the same thing, but he was also so focused on the packaging side of things because, mm. uh, like you said, uh, Anthony, um, uh, the, the brewers which are constant, uh, constantly winning medals and are showcasing some of the best beers in the world are the people who have control after the boil and out. Uh, so a lot have happened since the both of you started in, uh, in brewing. But what are, some of, the, what are the, some of the key innovations and things you try to implement in your project when it comes to the packaging side of things? I think key one for me is oxygen control. So if you do nothing else but manage your oxygen, you know, manage your oxygen reduction through maturation through the packaging, that is probably one of the key things that is going to make your beer stand out from the others. So if you can reduce oxygen uptake throughout that whole process, that is going to make a massive impact. Now, what we've seen in the industry is these great bits of equipment that accurately measure CO2 often as well as as dissolved oxygen. So having that equipment, having an understanding of what's happening regarding oxygen control, super important, I think. We've all spent hard-earned cash on a beer that we think is going to be amazing to taste it and go, oh, mate, this is terrible. (laughs) 
tastes like it's eight months old and like you can see the potential of it but it's just so oxidized it's terrible so that equipment i think has been so important to managing great packaged beer and it's the one thing that we recommend buying when you know you're going into pack is please go out and buy a decent do meter they're not cheap unfortunately but I think they're worth their weight in gold. Like if you want your brand to do very well in the market and have good longevity across your shelves, you know, managing DO is, is probably the key thing. Yeah, I agree. And having like, obviously cost can be a challenge for those instruments at times. If you're starting up and you can't afford a DO meter, there's things you can do with like maybe you can borrow one, optimize your process, and then follow that process to the T to make sure you're 99% sure that you, your your beer is going to be in good shape. It's when you get – and that's easier to do when you have one or two brewers, right? Mm. Um, as your team grows, and particularly with package like small packers in bottles and cans, I would say that DO meter would be non-negotiable. I would say that if you're packaging into serving tanks and kegs only, there is a world where you can get good results um, by managing process. But once you get into packaging, like a DO meter, DO meter is non-negotiable. Um, mm. Otherwise, you just cannot control it. You cannot control your oxygen and you will have variable quality beer in trade that represents your brand poorly. Yeah, it, it's in an it's it's in an investment, but but it is available. And and uh, and uh, looking back, yeah, 10, 15, 20 years, there was a lot of equipment that was not available for small breweries. That was only for yeah. the big ones. This has changed a lot, uh, but mm. there is still in one field that they still have a little bit of an advantage, and that's coming to equipment. Uh, to help sustainability within a, a brewery. Uh, now, I know that you have a little bit of a focus when it comes to sustainability uh, within the craft beer, beer scene, but uh, how is like the, the well-brewed um, uh, philosophy when it comes to designing uh, and helping out to build a brewery and, and sustainability? Are, are there some tricks that can be done um, without it costing like an arm and a, a leg? I'll have to preface this by saying that breweries technically aren't the most energy efficient uh, process as a whole. Like you having to boil wort for an hour means you have to put a lot of energy into the process. So sustainability, you know, obviously it's becoming more and more of a focus for uh, people in the industry. You know, we want to be seen to be you know, more sustainable, using less energy, energy is costing more and more. So it makes sense to be more sustainable. So the kinds of things that we're doing in our breweries is we've designed our own boiler that's got a lot better efficiency. We've, we've designed it in a way that we've got a number of passes for flue gas and we're producing very low temperatures in the, in the flue and therefore optimizing the amount of energy used to to get that heat transfer so boiler design has been one factor also thinking about how you can use solar energy in the brewery to just keep everything hot i mean if you think about all the processes that are going on in the brewery if you're cleaning you're generally cleaning with hot cip so 
if you're starting a boiler from cold, then we've got a way of heating the water, preheating the water that's going into your boiler so that you get things up and running quickly and you can use solar energy to do that. Uh, we can use heat pumps uh, run by solar to, to maintain your temperatures in your hot liquor tanks, for example. You know, we're, we're, you know, we, we focus on trying to inline carbonate you know, rather than trying to force carbonate. So if you've got an opportunity to use an inline carbonator, it happens much quicker and it's a much more efficient process. You're generally pushing less CO2 out to atmosphere during that process. So, so those are the kinds of things we look at. Uh, and, it, and there are some energy recovery things that we, we do in the, in the brewery. You know, they've been done for quite a long while. We'll reuse the cold liquor water. It'll go back into the hot liquor tank so that you're recovering that energy into your next brew. So there are, there's a number of things that we're looking at for sustainability. They improve dramatically and the kinds of things that we can do to improve dramatically as you brew more. Uh, if you're batch brewing, it tends to be, you know, we are limited to some extent, but as you start to brew more and more, energy efficiency becomes more and more important and easier to manage as well, rather than firing, firing the brew house up from cold to do one brew and then do another brew on later in the week. Like we would recommend, you know, you try and group things together, brew it, brew as much beer at a time and recover as much energy as possible and uh, you know manage your process as well to improve your sustainability yeah we have a we have a small uh, article about it on our blog which i can tip people to to check out about it's uh, it doesn't go in depth in the way that uh, you would with the consultation with well brewed but uh, it gives you a few workable tips for you and uh, in a brewery setting because this is uh, this is something which is coming uh, increasingly more important uh, of obvious reasons which uh, are all hitting us at the same time it seems mm. like all yeah. over the world well, it impacts your cogs doesn't it it's your, it's another overhead it's impact your cost of goods and you want to improve your margin you want to be able to sell your beer for the best the best margin but also at a reasonable price otherwise you're not competitive yeah yeah I, and of course uh, if you have a brewery in, in europe as well the the energy prices have uh, have been quite steep in the last uh, year and a half since the, um, the war started in in Ukraine. So uh, uh, sustainability does not only have to be like a, a sexy buzzword to sell beers. Mm-hmm. It can actually save you money on the bottom line. And uh, uh, I think that's yeah, something absolutely. to take away. We're also doing something on the distillation side. Can't go into it in too much depth, but because of the way the distillation process is running like there are a lot more opportunities to recover energy in that process as well so you know we do consider it in this you know sustainability is important factor you know distilling as well as brewing all right we're uh, we're uh, closing on the the end here um w- with you anthony and, and lucky i appreciate you taking the time uh, before i let you depart though i want you to give um, and this is uh, a little bit of a hard question, putting you on a spot like this. But if you would give one advice to uh, someone trying to build a brewery or are in the mindset of uh, starting a brewery, um, with the, of course, the the obvious answer, which is uh, call you guys first. Uh, <laughs> what would be what would be some some good advice? Uh, one good advice uh, before you start uh, building a brewery. Uh, yeah, let's start with um, you, Lucky. Sure. Um... 
I think for me, something that I'm really passionate about is that good making good beer is not enough to be successful. You need to think about your business planning. You need to think about what you're doing that's different to everyone else. Um, and there's a misconception that if I make good beer, people will come. Uh, the maturity of the craft beer drinkers and the craft beer industry these days is just not, it's not enough. So that would be my advice. Making good beer is important, but is only one piece of the puzzle. Very good advice. Thank you. How about you, Anthony? For me, it's, it's probably a similar one. Like I'm absolutely passionate about making amazing quality beer. I have to agree with Lockie though. It's, engaging with your consumers, having an amazing brand and market marketing plan that can make the difference between you selling that beer and not selling that beer. You might have a small group of uh, avid lovers of your beer because it is amazing, but if you really truly want to be successful, I think engaging with your consumers with a great brand and a great marketing strategy is is really key to being successful in this mature industry. Yeah, you can you can build a church, but you need to preach as well if you're going to have anyone participating. That's it. That's it. Yeah, I got That's it. it. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Then I, Anthony and, and Lucky, just want to thank you for, for taking the time, sharing some good advice uh, for us and, and joining on the podcast. For everyone listening, uh, make sure to check out the Well Brewed podcast where they go even more into depth on specific topics, which I can highly recommend. It will uh, it will make your, your brew day first a little bit more interesting when you're listening to it as you're brewing, <laughs> but also it will educate you and maybe make your your um, your brewing life a little bit easier as well. So thank you very much for for taking the time, guys. Thanks, thanks, Sean. No problem. Cheers. Thanks, Sean. Appreciate it. Thank you for coming with me to Australia and talking to Anthony and Lucky from Well Brewed. Hopefully they could uh, share some tips, tricks, some insights for you if you're planning to brew your own brewery or if you're just looking to make a little bit of a, a more efficient uh, expansion of your brewery. Those guys really know their stuff. And I'm trying to get more of this good stuff out to you guys because in this podcast what we try to do is give you an insight into the world of fermentation and we want you along. So do not forget to subscribe to the podcast to get all the episodes of this second season of Another Round with Play-Doh. As always, sharing is caring, so do feel free to share this with a friend or a co-worker or someone that you feel will have some good value listening to this podcast. Until next time, have fun, drink well, and take care.